Hey everyone, this is Matty Kay, and this is another edition of The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. Y'all need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? Man, HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. Need to stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my toast? Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was clipping his toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I And hey, everyone, it's Maddie Kay and... And it is Saturday morning, April 14th. It is, uh, it's finally kind of warmish out, so that helps. Um, so we were going to talk about summer jobs because I think everybody has <clears throat> a summer job story. But first, I just saw this thing that my brother sent me. Um, uh, this substitute teacher in Connecticut, uh, is accused of having what what was styled as a fight club in the classrooms that he was substitute teaching in, where apparently he would like move. This guy's twenty three years old. Uh, his quote was, "I'm an idiot. I just wanted to be friends with the kids. I'm immature." I mean, th- let me just say about teaching. Because I am a teacher. I have been a substitute teacher. I have been a long term sub. Uh, I'm currently uh, teaching for the year at one school, but you can be friendly with the kids. You are not friends with the kids. And anybody who is 23 or 40 or 45 or 50 years old who needs a 16-year-old friend has problems. It needs, needs help. And I see it as a parent where yeah. you know, the, the mom and dad are trying to be friends You know, I always see it as just a code for, um, I don't want to deal with it. That's how how I always see it. Like, well, you know, I see him more as my friend. It's like, no, you actually have to take responsibility and the kid may not like you for a period of time, may say, I hate you for a period of time. But like, that probably means sometimes you're doing your job. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, Yeah. And I think for men, it's probably like 50. Yeah, I, I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you, you can't, you know, look, especially just coming back as like a teenage boy, because I was a teenage boy, you make terrible decisions, <laughs> horrific, horrific decisions Yeah. that are just, just horrific, horrible. Yeah. And you need somebody there to pull you back smack you upside the head and say that's a bad idea yeah you don't need your, your dad your dad riding shotgun 
Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I think it probably leaves the kids kind of confused. Like, you know, I've gotten emails from, you know, like kid didn't turn in a pretty major assignment and I sent an email home and his, you know, parents were kind of like, well, we don't really monitor his work. That's up to him. And now granted the kid's 17 years old, but it's still sort of like, look, a lot of 17 year olds aren't going to do what they're supposed to do unless someone gets on them about it. And there's consequences and well you remember we talked about this a long time ago that documentary that about that um town that very affluent town outside of atlanta where all the kids had syphilis yes and it was yes. basically what struck me was, was like a yeah and it, and it wasn't really the kids it was the parents who basically did nothing to raise their kids but they were <laughs> they did nothing they were like, well, we buy him whatever he wants and we don't, you know. And remember, there was that huge fat guy who was in the Barca lounger just watching television. And he's like, well, I don't know what we're supposed to do. <laughs> like, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, nothing. Watch more television. Kids are going up into a bedroom. You do nothing, buddy. You just sit there and eat some more Cheetos. This woman, this one woman, her daughter had been, and I, I dislike using the word, but her daughter had been gang raped at a party. And there was alcohol and this and that. And she was like 16. And the mother was uh, out of town on business. She just, you know, left the kids there. And it's like, you know, if you were not white and wealthy, you'd be brought up on child endangerment charges. Oh, absolutely. And the woman was just like, well, I don't know, you know, and this and that. And the girl's like, yeah, like, what am I supposed to do? That was literally like, these are educated people with money. And it was like, what am I supposed to do about it? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe get out of the bark lounger for a little, little while. And the guy said, that that big fat guy said, well, we all have TVs in our room. There were like five TVs in the house, and we all just go and watch TV and go on our lap. This was before smartphones, but it was like, you know, the internet was, was there. And it, it was just sort of like that, that mother and her daughter were truly like, the daughter said what happened, and she couldn't use the word she didn't really know it you know it wasn't in her vocabulary and the mother would just not acknowledge what had happened to her daughter probably because she felt i mean how do you face that you know but anyway we we well, digress a bit i'm sure she's going to be dealing with that for years and decades oh for the yeah rest of her life absolutely and the mother is just like so in denial and i mean they were divorced i don't know where the father was but it's like you don't leave your 16 year old daughter at home by herself I mean, that's not appropriate. And yeah. just, she was like, well, I have to earn money to pay for all this stuff. Like, right, that's yeah, that's, that's what's... A, in, you know, if you're going to run out and, and get a dozen eggs, it, it's okay to right, leave right, home. Right. If you're going to fly to L.A., no, you don't leave her at home. Well, there were kids, you know, when I taught in the Bronx, there were young kids in the eighth grade who would sometimes have to stay home to watch a younger sibling. But... Their parents had no choice. Like, they could not afford a babysitter. Like, these were people who were working, you know, like single mothers working two jobs. And, you know, it sounds like kind of odd to have a 13-year-old home with a, an 8-year-old. But, like, they had no choice. These people have a choice. I mean, they don't have to have two Mercedes, you know, in the driveway. And that's basically what it amounted to. Like, well, I have to pay for the two cars. I have to pay for this house. 
you know, I have to pay for this. I'm like, great. That's that's great. Right. All right. Well, we, we, got, we got a little bit off. Well, yeah. not really off top. But let's go back to the Fight Club. The Fight Club. So the guy's under arrest. Uh, he was basically... He was, like, encouraging these fights. One kid started vomiting during one of the fights. And this guy yells, round two. Yeah. This... So was it his idea to do the Fight Club? Well... I can imagine he's in a classroom full of 15, 16 year olds. Probably there's a little horseplay. Like in my classes, there always are because I have a lot of boys in my classes. And I'm always like saying, hey, get your hands up. And usually it's, it's, it's friendly, but you know how that goes. Like one kid hits another kid a little too hard. And the next thing you know, you got a brawl on your hands. Right, right. So you just got to keep a lid on it. And this guy probably saw it, this and that, thought it was funny. And next thing you know, he's having like two kids in the middle of these desks, sl- like kind of slap fighting each other, but it got kind of out of hand. <laughs> Enough so that he's under arrest. Let me put it that way. So, so what? It got so out of hand that it it, it got word back to like a principal. Probably. Probably a video got leaked. I would think because they were videoing it on their phones. <laughs> Yeah, this guy's a genius. So even now the superintendent, the story wasn't that long, but I mean, it's probably a longer story, but the superintendent was like, well, no one got seriously hurt. That was the superintendent's answer. And then this has been going on since like, since September. This first started happening in September. This is April. So like that kind of shows you the amount of supervision in whatever school this is. Yeah. Yeah, it's been going on for, wow. Yeah. So, like, there was a substitute teacher at one school where I was doing a long-term sub. He was a day-to-day guy. And he was a little odd. Like, he would let the kids leave the classroom to go down to the cafe. And I didn't really know the guy, but I just heard he was trying to be, like, too buddy-buddy and whatnot. And, like, when you're a substitute teacher, you, like, are hanging on to respect by the barest thread. The barest, you know. So... When I substituted day to day, I would always dress up. I would wear a blazer. I'd wear a, a shirt and a tie, and and sometimes I would see substitutes like in sweatpants and whatnot, and, and they were always the ones complaining about the kids. And it's like, bro, throw on a pair of khakis. How about that? You know? Yeah, you, you can't be rolling in with sweatpants. Sweatpants, and then complaining that you're not being shown the proper respect. <laughs> <laughs> No, nobody respects the guy in the sweatpants. Okay, I'm sorry. That's just the I way it goes. He's trying to yeah, that's right. Generation. Well, that remember on um, that Saturday Night Live skit, Chris Farley, the motivational speaker. Yeah. And it was Phil Phil Hartman, and I forgot who was yes. playing his wife. And Phil Hartman's like, "Hey, we don't want to come down on you guys and all that." <laughs> And like, God forbid you actually speak to your kids. It's, (laughs) we're going to hire a motivational speaker. But like, that seems to be the way a lot of it is going is like, I don't know how to parent or I, or I just, I kind of don't want to. So could somebody else just sort of help out with this? I think it's like this, this big, you know, um, misnomer that, you know, in society, when you reach a certain age, you're automatically an adult. Yeah, no, that yeah. I that's... know fifty year olds that are children. <laughs> I, know. I mean I know. mental midgets, just absolute childs. 
You know, so it's not um, it's not age that uh, you know equates to uh, wisdom, maturity, adulthood. It, it's you know it, it's a different factor. So just because you know, like the substitute teacher, the guy's twenty three years old, you'd figure at twenty three he would have the the, the uh, mental um, wherewithal to yeah. kind of understand and ration that a, a fight club right <laughs> right in, in his class is not going to end well right nor is it is it going to begin well it's it just how do you you know it just it human nature fascinates me like this guy thinks that this is going to be a good idea I know <laughs> and it's never it's never going to come back to bite him like never, never. there's never, never. going to be a problem with this like yeah. Well, when you talk about like people getting older, not being mature, we have the president of the United States on TV discussing whether he was present for golden showers with yeah. prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's like, he's like, me, hookers? Uh, who can imagine? I could not only imagine you with hookers, but I could imagine you killing them. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Imagine, there's so many scenarios that Well, but the fact that he's using the term golden showers yeah. <laughs> and the fact that people know what that means on CNN, MSNBC, they're all talking about it. Peeing, peeing, or he, was he doing it or did he witness it? And they're, they're just so fascinated by it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, by its very nature, you know, sex is fascinating. And I, I don't know what the statistics are, but like... 50% of all like online activities porn. Yeah. So every everybody watches it, every everyone sees it and now everyone is desensitized by it. Yeah. Where you know that your your normal run of the mill um, sex scene is a banner ad. So now, you know, porn I just read an article, porn producers are pushing the envelope. Yeah. Of, you know, um Brutality towards the women, um, just this, this very rough, attention-grabbing um, sex acts. Yeah. And you know, going back to the Atlanta parents who don't care or watch what their kids do or watch, is young uh, people are watching this and assuming that this is this is how it goes. Humans. Yeah. Procreate or not procreate, but have but have sexual relations. Yeah. Which could be further from the truth. I would actually say if you want to find out exactly what not to do. Right. You, you go on and watch any kind of mainstream porn. Yeah. You're guaranteed any move that you pick up from there is going to be shot down. <laughs> yeah. I know. Of, you know, maybe, maybe something that's like watered down 50%. But yeah, generally speaking, it doesn't yeah, 16, go like 17, that. 17, 18-year-olds are going in thinking that, um, I don't want to get into, into explicits, but like like uh, uh, choking. Yeah, and, right, and, yeah. And, and, you know, other things that are um, are, are shown that, that seem like, and, and the other thing that uh, young people, and people in general don't realize is that um, these people are acting. They're, they're 
you know, there's no immediate, um, there's no real pleasure in that. Right. You know? Right. And they, so they assume that, oh, if I do this to a girl, I do this to a boy, then um, I will, you know, be a stud or whatever. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I very, very early, very early in my career, I was on a, uh, a porn set. Um, and I was th- like, th- the producer had contacted me to, uh, to cut the porn. This is when I was back when I was an editor. Yeah. And, I, and I never did it, um, but I was in, you know, LA, <laughs> in the heart of porn and country. When you see the behind the scenes, Matt, it, 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 it's a joke. It's in, in, in this case, the female performer despised the male performer. Just, <laughs> it was, it was almost a joke of, she couldn't even be in the same room with him. And then, you know, they perform, and it's all stop and go. And it's, it's actually a testament to, like, the guys and to, to, to perform that way. Like, any other guy is like, oh, yeah, I'd do porn. No, you couldn't. You, couldn't. <laughs> you could not. There are, like, well, this was back in the, the 90s. It might be different now, but there are 50 people in the room. There's, there's, there's lights. And then you, you start and you stop and you start and you stop and you start and you stop. And your partner hates you. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's just, it's unbelievable. I would imagine the whole atmosphere is like kind of uh, not pleasant. Mm. You know? No, it, it's, um... Like the personalities know, involved and things. I, I just, I, that's how I would see it. Yeah, you know, it, there's, um, there's a fair amount of, you know, attention seeking on both sides. Um, you know, it's, it's not, you know... Well, like I, I would I say, wanna, I don't want to judge anybody. No, no, no. Because there, I'm sure there are people, you know, that are, uh, you know, in the industry that um, are very, you know, well balanced human beings. I, I, I don't. But from the, the the snapshot that I saw, that wasn't the case. Um, no, I saw a documentary where it was like drug abuse is rampant. It's like, like. You know, we've both worked on short films. I've worked on feature films. Usually the atmosphere, like, everybody wants to be there. Like, the actors want to be there. You know, it's, I mean, from my perspective as a crew member, it was sort of like, I just want to get paid. But you're part of a creative process. Like, an adult film, I don't get the impression anybody really wants to be there. Like, it's just unpleasant. And especially the women. And probably the guys, too. Like, they need to make money. Like, they don't want to be there. And it's, yeah, you know, and the irony is the guys, they don't make a lot of money. Right, um, yeah, I wouldn't assume they, so. They, they well, make like two or three hundred bucks a day. The women make decent money. Why don't, um, we, uh, why don't we jump back into summer jobs here? So, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Getting a little off track. Um, so, uh, yeah, we were going to talk about um, everybody's had like really, you know, bad summer jobs and... Uh, I've had my fair share. I worked at a steel factory, which I still have a scar on my arm from. Uh, I worked in a toll booth collecting tolls. I worked for two summers at the Coca-Cola factory, which was the 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. shift. Uh, 
so I looked like a vampire for most of the summer. Um, I worked at an ice cream factory. <laughs> I worked at Aubon Pan, where I had to wear a beret. Uh, yeah, I've had my share. I've had my share, most most definitely. Didn't you well, caddy? Uh, I worked as a, uh, a caddy at a golf course for the, for the majority of my, uh, my teenage uh, years. Uh, I also worked at a bar as a waiter and then as a bar back. Really? When uh, was that? What's that? When was that? Uh, that was probably when I was like uh, 16 to 19. <clears throat> really? So then I worked at a funeral home. Um, <laughs> wow. And, yeah, I was uh, the valet and just kind of did everything. Like sort of the dead bodies downstairs, all that good stuff. Wow. Um, my, my buddy's dad owned it and we would just do anything that he needed. It was in Queens. It was real shady. Um, let's see what else did I do? Um, I worked, um, uh, I mean, I had newspaper route when I was young. Uh, <laughs> Oftentimes I'd like to go back to that. Actually, you know, I worked the two summers at Coca-Cola. That was my first kind of like real job where like guys who worked there were in the union they supported their families i made decent money they made pretty good money and you just walked around for like eight ten or twelve hours like stacking cases of soda onto a wooden pallet and you'd wrap it up in plastic and you'd drop it you know in a slot for the uh truck to to get packed into the truck and that's what you did for eight hours and you know it was really boring it was excruciatingly boring but I can find some value in those jobs now because it's like you just do your job. There's no paperwork to fill out. There's there's nothing after work. Nobody's emailing you. Nobody's calling you on weekends or whatever. And you just do your eight and you go home. That's it. Yeah, you know, there's, there is something to be said about that, you know, of like um, <clears throat> being, showing up, starting, finishing. Yep. Right. And, you know, with caddying, 
there was a, a distinctive off switch. If I wasn't at that physical club, I wasn't work, and I wasn't thinking about work. No, it wouldn't even cross my mind. No, I mean, why? Why would I think about stacking cases of soda better or more right. efficiently? <laughs> like that. I mean, now one thing I will say is it was just a summer job, so there was a light at the end of the tunnel, and I was always happy when it was over because I was going back to school, and I didn't. Right you know, work during the year. So, um, you know, if you're doing a day in, day out for 20 years, you might have a yeah, different perspective happens. on yeah, it. If you're, uh, you know, if you're part of the grind, then it, you might lose that, that, uh, that feeling. Yeah. But, uh, I remember my, my dad said he was driving in to, uh, to Boston one time cause he had a case in there and it was, you know, he just said it was a real, it was a hassle. And, uh, you know, he was worried. I mean, he was always worried about cases and this and that. It was kind of like probably what you're describing. Like he always had like five or six cases he was juggling to one degree of completion or another. And he said he was driving in, he was stuck in traffic and he was running kind of late. And he sees this guy running a jackhammer and the guy's just, you know, leaning on it, running the jackhammer. And he's like... I wanted to trade places with that guy so badly, just because, like, you know that guy isn't worried about this and that. He's going to run that jackhammer for eight or nine hours, get his paycheck, and go home, and he's all good. Yeah, I mean, and there's, there's a certain amount of freedom in that. Oh, absolutely. And, and, I, and I'm sure the jackhammer guy, um, he's probably, maybe he saw your dad passing in a suit, and he's like, man, I would love a desk job. I know. Yeah. I've been up since 4 a.m. Right. It, it, it's very, it's very, you know, interesting, like the human condition of like how you can, um, you know, mentally put yourself in someone else's shoes and make the assumption that their life is easier, better. You know, you're, you're co we're constantly in this like, you know, dryer of life tumbling around you know? yeah constantly kind of like comparing ourselves to each other and like all oh, this making assumptions um uh, and you know shitting on people to make yourself feel better um <clears throat> i don't know this is completely off topic but <laughs> well you know it was funny uh i guess it's the you know the grass is always greener like you see what someone else is doing but it's funny the misconceptions people have because like when I was at one high school, this um, teacher I got to know, I told her about working in the film industry and things like that, and she was teaching a 12th grade honors class, so she said, well, why don't you come in and just kind of chat with them about careers and stuff, because some of them are thinking this and that, and, you know, I mentioned working in film, and I said, it's, it's hard, like, it's, you know, you're, you're oftentimes rather, even if you're in the union, you're still going from gig to gig, you're a freelancer of sorts, and you know, it's not romantic. I mean, it's a lot of gut work and 12-hour, 14-hour days. And then somebody had mentioned being a lawyer, and I said, this is an English class. And these kids, I mean, a lot of them don't really like to read. And I was like, well, you have to understand, like, if you're a lawyer, like, that's what you do. You spend 90% of your time, 90% on the low end, grinding through these endless documents that nobody on earth would ever want to read contracts and wills and 
this and that. So I was like, if you don't like to read, I would really not recommend being a lawyer. And it also brought to mind, like, listen, like before you start to like go to any career or something, like you need to go to somebody who does that for a living and say, like, what do you do all day? Like, what do you actually do all day? And it's not like it's, you know, depicted on TV. No. It's like, and also too, it's like there's a glamorous side to being like a producer or director. Sure. And, you know, and this is kind of like higher up on the, you know, higher up, you know, in in the, in the, uh, on the film TV side, but it's brutal. I know. The travel, the, the, uh, the amount of time set on, uh, spent on set. Um, it's just, it's brutal. It, and, and people just think, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to walk in, you know, like Scorsese or uh, Spielberg, look at a shot, approve it, and then go back to my trailer and play on my Xbox. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't work like that. There is like so like, even like a role of a, um, you know, like a, a big time actor on set um and look this is not look they're not like uh you know mining for uh oil or you know <laughs> right. it's not a tough job but the boredom yeah you know, they're on set for 15 hours and they're sitting around for 13 hours yeah they're, but they have to be on set yeah so you have to you have to occupy your time some and, and sometimes it can be a very unglamorous location it's yeah not like they're you know, in London, New York, or L.A., they could be in the middle of freaking nowhere in a desert. Yeah. And they're just sitting around for five weeks. I mean, most people go crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's that that kind of surprised me on film sets. Like, we would just have downtime. And some guys was... Oh, it, it, un, unbelievable downtime. Well, and it was funny how you could kind of pick different personalities where some guys would say, oh, it was great. We didn't have to do anything all day. And like, I'd be like, good. I mean, my job right now is very hectic. I had to work all last weekend. I have to work this weekend getting all this stuff in. And, you know, sometimes I think like I'd just rather do something that didn't involve paperwork and grading and all of that. But it'll pass. But, like, sitting around on a... And I've done this. Sat around on a grip truck for eight hours or sat in some studio for, like, eight hours with nothing to do. It's brutal. And, my, you know, my mind starts churning and I'm like... <laughs> I don't have the mindset. I think I'm way too neurotic. I can't, like... I can't... You know, because you can't really read a book a lot of times. I don't really like to see that. And you just have to sit there. And it's like... Ugh. God, like I know you're paying for my time, but like, good God, this is awful, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because so. if you're working, it's time's gonna go by faster. Absolutely. You know, it's not. It's not gonna just grind along. And you know, people have this like glorified Hollywood TV version of the real world, and and that's too is like what this this podcast is about is the working experience is uncovering that pain that, <laughs> you know, that absolute, I see it on a daily basis I see people like just you know trudging into work and it's like what this is my life yep. like what have I created <laughs> good God what have I done 
Well, you know, there are, like, this woman I saw, we just watched a quick uh, 12-minute documentary, this woman who had moved into one of those tiny homes, and she had quit her job, and, I mean, there are all, there are alternatives, uh, it's just you have to be willing to make that sacrifice, and... Well, you know, obviously there are alternatives, and there's obviously people who do enjoy and love their jobs. But there, and then there's the... Fl- and, and, and your job, what you do could very well, you know... Uh, create who you are and it could be a, it could be a fantastic journey but it could it could also be a hellish ride but you know we're, we're also what my point is is um you know society is sending out this message and you um you then um fantasize about it hollywood size about it but then when you actually get into the nitty-gritty of it like your example of being a lawyer like you yeah you better love to read not just love it you better <laughs> you better dream about reading and yeah, yeah. just and i've read through the contracts that my lawyers have created for different projects i can barely get through the contract <laughs> And they have probably read a hundred times more just to create that contract. Yeah. I don't know how they they do it. I don't I know. Just, I nod off. I have to take it. In, I have to take it in chunks. Well, we're also discussing this, you know, from the point of view of two people with <clears throat> college educations and whatnot. I mean, the vast majority of the country of the workforce, I don't think, even has the privilege of having these conversations they just need a job i mean forget whether it's fulfilling forget whether you want to live in a tiny house forget making like i'm going to sacrifice the hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year job for the twenty five thousand so i can live the way i want i mean you know they're they're cleaning hotel rooms and they're just happy to yeah to to put any kind of food on the table and we were going to get into another podcast about the gig economy which is people just like getting by so it would be worthwhile talking to some of those people because the people we generally talk to are people in our strata and again to be fair like you know most people are not in that and it's even a struggle if you have a college education to keep you know a job that you know affords you a certain quality of life and then just the cherry on top is you might actually like it (laughs) you might actually not dread going right maybe maybe you know, it's it's true. It's, some people just would love the, you know, um, you know, the opportunity to to get a job, and and some people are working in horrific jobs to support their family. Yeah. You know, which which is a, you know, which is commendable, and they get you know zero recognition, and you know, like you were saying, like in the Bronx, you'd have a mom, you know, single mom working two jobs to support her family, and you know, she no no one's giving her you know a standing uh, ovation. She doesn't. You know, that woman does not. She doesn't get to take. A, uh, you know, an actress. You know, sitting in a truck for thirteen hours, but getting paid you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Well, you'll hear people say. I mean, people talk about like, oh, I had to take a mental health day. You know, like 
in the middle of the week. I just had to take a day for me. Like, this woman working two jobs, to, she doesn't get to take a mental health day. Yeah, there's no, okay, she'll, she'll get fired. Yeah, she won't get paid for that day, or you're right. Yeah, she'll get fired. All right, everybody, thanks for listening again. Yeah, everyone, thanks so much. And uh, we'll be back on uh, next episode. We'll talk about... Um, uh, there was an article about a, a Korean guy, a South Korean guy, who checked into prison because he was too stressed at work. I would rather we're, go to prison. We're, we're definitely going to discuss that. Yeah. We're going to discuss the uh, gig economy, and we have some more good uh, podcasts coming up. All right, everyone, thanks. All right, thanks.